Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Record Rangers podcast. I'm Johnny McFarlane and today I'm joined by the Sunday Mail's Scott McDermott. On the pod today, former SFA president George Pete has caused a storm with the revelation that he received a phone call in 2008 asking that he do nothing to help Rangers in their fixture pile-up around the UEFA Cup final. We assess the fallout. We look back over a comprehensive 4-0 victory against Dundee at Ibrox and we preview Rangers' return to the Europa League with their tie against Villarreal in Spain. Scott, impossible not to miss George Pete's comments to the BBC in which he said a prominent chairman approached him via phone call and said that he was hoping that the SFA would not give Rangers any extra help in their run to the UEFA Cup final. He said it was the most disappointing aspect of his uh, his time as SFA president. What do you make of his comments? First and foremost, I was was quite stunned when I seen the video for the first time, I must admit. Uh, I saw you put the wee eyes on Twitter, which is a sign of... I I can't believe this. I was surprised. Um... And maybe should they be surprised? Listen, not, nothing Scottish football, especially when it comes to the old firm, should really surprise you. But it was just no when you when you when you're saying when someone's saying something is controversial, is that it does uh, it does take you back, um, and it has caused a a stir, even though it is ten years on, um, which is incredible to think it's that it's that long. Um, I mean, a couple of things. One of my first reactions was. Kind of disappointment that that George Pete, you no, know, felt that it was important to say now, but didn't feel it was important back then or important enough to say. And listen, I know he's he's at that point he's he's working for the association. He you no know, must have felt that it that it was difficult. But can I stop you on that? Yep. For me, if this was Celtic, I don't think there's any problem with that. For me, because I think you have to expect. Celtic to be putting pressure on because Rangers are their big title rivals. Yeah. Where I would have severe concerns if it wasn't Celtic. Yeah. Because if it wasn't Celtic, it's nobody else's business whatsoever. Now, is George Pete's um, remit as SFA president to be above that kind of pressure anyway? Yeah. And he should have said, if it was Celtic, you know, you've got a vested interest in this, so, so I, I can't be involved in this and I don't yeah. take it seriously. Like I say, where I would be concerned is if, say, for example, it was the Dundee United chairman or yeah. the Hibs chairman. And where I think George Pete is kind of throwing people under a bus here is people will start to make uh, connections between comments made by Stephen Thompson around yeah. the time, by Rod Petrie around the time. And the truth is, we don't we don't know which one of these guys no, it was. But should it really matter if it was Celtic or, or any other? I, mean, I, know well, I think Cel- Celtic, I know Celtic have a, a vested interest because they were going for the title and it was so close. So you would expect them to do everything they possibly could within their power to influence that. And I would expect Rangers to do the same if Rangers were going for a title. Really? Yeah. Uh, 
Uh, I mean, I, I don't know. I think you think it's a bit more sinister than that. No, I just think whether Celtic are big rivals with Rangers or not, but whether they're challenging for a title, I don't think it's. I don't. I don't think it's any Celtic's business or any other club's business to be phoning the SFA and asking for no takes their undue influence. Uh, that that's. No, in essence, that's the bit that, that surprises me. That's the bit that, that takes me aback. Um, perhaps, perhaps more so with given how important sport and integrity has been over the last. Well, few years. exactly. I mean, you could get into a whole load of things like that. Um, I just think it would have been difficult for George P. to accept that at, at that time. But it just seems a bit rich. You no, know, ten years on to be to be bringing it up again and. No, the actual story of what, as I say, I, I was stunned by it, and that that tells you that it's a big story, and it shouldn't have happened. No, Sh- for it, for any club to try and try and hinder another Scottish club's uh, kind of charge to a, to a European final, or to do anything to try and derail that, is scandalous. Really, I think. I mean, listen, but we're all for rivalries, and that's what football's all about. But surely. No, to try and to go and try and influence the national association, no, who are who are no. Let's be, uh, uh, let's be clear that it's made up of all the clubs in Scotland. For to go for anyone to go and try and influence them or steer them in a certain direction to the detriment of another club, one of the no the biggest clubs in the country, when they're going to try and no, they're getting to a, a European final, raising the profile of, of Scottish football as a, as a whole. I think is, as I say, I think it's it's scandalous. And should, should there not be a case though that it should be a decision made above club rivalries? So, for example, I can totally understand why Celtic would say don't extend the season because sport and integrity of the season and all the rest of it. Because yeah. that you know, as I've said, that's that's going to affect them directly. But the other clubs who, as you say, are are make up the SFA yep. surely should be saying. Well, given the, the high-profile nature of a European Cup, tr- a European trophy coming back to Scotland potentially, we need to be above this and exactly. say the big picture is that if Scotland wins this, it's a massive success for the country, and that's more important than extending the, the, the season for another seven days. Yeah, let's be honest that the the National Association should be doing maybe no bending over backwards might be a wrong expression, but should be doing everything in their power to try and help the Scottish club go and win that European trophy um, no, listen there's got to be boundaries to that I'm not saying you, you just do everything that's been asked and you, you know you extend the season by by like two weeks or whatever right but there was I mean I, I remember funnily enough at that, at that around that time I was sent to to Holland to do Zenit St Petersburg's game before the the UEFA Cup final now so Zenit went to Holland to play AZ Altmar in a friendly. I mean, like a warm up for the year to keep them ticking over because they didn't have games. Because the, the Russian Federation had did everything. No, I can't remember the exact amount of time they had off, but or how many games were cancelled. But I mean, that's how relaxed Zenit were getting into that. Uh, to uh, get into that UEFA Cup final that they could afford to go to Holland and play in a play in a friendly as you you say to keep them ticking over. Well, you maybe look at different formations, different players to rest players or, or, or whatever. That's how relaxed and comfortable they were and, and well prepared they were going into that UEFA Cup final. When you contrast that with the circumstances that Rangers were having to deal with 
think it was five five games in eleven days, something like that. It just seems it seemed ridiculous then, and it probably seems even more ridiculous now. Yeah, because I mean, people will say that Zenit were a fine side, and they, of course they were. Yeah, but Rangers were genuinely running on empty at yeah. that point. I mean, I, th- I think they'd played a, a very important game. Uh, three or four days before the, yeah. the UEFA Cup final, to have given them that full week's rest and recuperation would have required them to obviously extend the season by another few days. The problem I think they had was they'd already extended the season, I think, from the Saturday or the Sunday to the Thursday when yeah, the last game right. took place. Um, and what they wanted to do was move the, the Scottish Cup final back another week, wasn't it? And then yep. extend the season that way. So it would have given them a bit more... Just a bit re- more breathing space. A bit more breathing space, which would, I think... I think it's more mental fatigue than anything else, isn't it? I mean, physically, the players are all right. It's it's that just constant yeah, grind. As you say, I mean, Zenit were a, a high-class outfit, guys like Arshavin and all that, but nobody's saying that the extra time you know, would have changed the outcome and, and Rangers would have lifted that, lifted that trophy. But when you look back at Rangers' performance in that final, it's almost a bit like we've said before about just recently Rangers going to Celtic Park in the back of the Europa League they just looked out in their feet it was just it was a leggy jaded performance which shouldn't be the case going into any European final I mean you surely if it's possible you should have enough you should have enough time to prepare you should have at least a week a full week's training preparation rest whatever to get into a a major final especially when no, in Scottish terms, it happens. Uh, no, it doesn't happen very often. Do you think Pete should have named names? Do you think he was right to just say a prominent chairman? Listen, he's not involved in Scottish football anymore. Um, if he's felt the need to come out and talk about it, which obviously he has, then why not just name names? I don't see... It's 10 years on. I don't see what... Apart from a social media frenzy, as you can imagine, I don't... If you're going to come out and, and say that it happened, I think you'd be as well just naming the naming the name because he's now it's now going to be talked about whenever he does speak in interviews. I mean, already after the BBC interview, there's now been follow up interviews for the Daily Record and, and others trying to get him to expand on it. No. There's, I think there's a legal argument as well that you're sort of smearing people by association. So the other chairman. Of, the, yeah. the, you know they they are, they fall under suspicion, yeah, so I think yeah. they actually could come under a legal uh, slander sort of type yeah. argument. There, um, he's got to be very very careful about things like that. Um, so other chairmen that were around at the time might well take a dim view of it. Um, moving on, Scott, to the Dundee game of last Saturday. What did you take? What was your takeaways from that? You know, you were at the game and were yeah. quite surprised by Stephen Gerrard's reaction to. Such a comprehensive 4-0 victory in the aftermath of the game. I was. I mean, listen, it's not for me to question Stephen Gerrard's judgment on a team's performance or, or a game. But? But, <laughs> no, I've watched enough games at Ibrox and, and elsewhere. I think, no, beating Dundee 4-0 at home. I know Dundee aren't, obviously aren't in great form. But, I mean, that, that was 4-0 going on. Six or seven, quite comfortably. And Dundee were lucky to get out with four in the end. I know they obviously went down to ten men. And towards the end of the game, I mean, late on in the game, Lafferty hits the bar, uh, Goldson hits the post. I mean, it could have been a lot more than four. I get what Stephen Gerrard um, was alluding to after the game. The first half, 
there was wee spells in the first half where Dundee kind of broke on Rangers. And it was I a bit of tactical and discipline, I thought. Yeah, I don't think he was happy with how easy they, they, they countered at times. There was a couple of times for Rangers corners and Dundee were then attacking at the other end. I still don't think Dundee looked particularly dangerous, even when they did get up the park. I mean, Stephen Gerrard says he thought Dundee maybe deserved a goal. I mean, they had one big chance uh, through the boy Elton. I'm not going to try and pronounce his second name. Uh, he was he was arguably Dundee's best player. But he had a golden chance at 2-0 when Kenny Miller put him in. If he hits it first time, I think he scores. But Neil McCann touched on it after the game. There's such a lack of confidence in that squad. Just now after uh, four straight defeats in the league. It was almost a kind of reassurance. The, the boy felt he needed another touch before he could get a shot away at McGregor. But of course, he takes the touch and it lets Barisic get back to, to put the block on. Um, so, now, listen, I thought it was a. As I say, apart from those couple of counter attacks in the first half, I thought Rangers came out of traps really quickly. I thought it was a great reaction uh, to coming back off the international break. I touched on that. My, my match report. Just before we go into the match too much, do you think that this was one of those occasions where the manager, and Steven Gerrard's proven himself to be quite adept at this so far, is making a point rather yeah. than being genuinely angry about something? 100%. It's got to be psychological. It's the old Sir Alec Ferguson, no, a bit before my time, but obviously, remember there was a, a League Cup final he slaughtered, or something. Slaughtered he slaughtered him after winning a trophy. I mean, it was classic Sir Alex. But I, think, I definitely think there was a bit a bit of that in Stephen Gerrard's comments after the game, just to make sure he keeps them in their toes, just to make sure that they're, that they're aware that you know, beating Dundee 4-0 at Ibrox doesn't suddenly mean he's of he's of turned the corner and he's entitled to be challenging for, for titles at the top end of the, of the league. Um, I'm sure deep down there'll be lots... No, there was lots in that performance that he'd be, that he'd be really happy with. Yeah... No, one or two wee aspects that, that that he wouldn't have been happy with, but 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 in the whole, he would have taken that result four 0 Could have scored more. As I say, there was an intensity back about Rangers that wasn't there in the Celtic game, the the, the game before the international break. I just thought they looked re-energized, kind of reinvigorated. Um, and it stands him in good stead for, for Thursday. Well, there's one obvious difference from the Celtic game, which would be the return of Lasana Koulibaly, a yeah. man who brings not just physicality, but energy and dynamism to that yeah. Rangers midfield. And only he only got about an hour in the game, and I think Gerard rightly thought, we'll take him off and just give him a wee rest. What a difference he makes. Well, he's a powerhouse. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I mean, we were laughing after the game, Andy Halliday said to us after the game when asked about Koulibaly he said his thighs are bigger than my head <laughs> uh, so that tells you a bit about his physique um, but no he definitely he definitely gives Rangers something something different and I think he was missed in the games that no but he wasn't he wasn't there um, he has got that energy about his game that you, you wouldn't want to take away and he's already scored a couple of goals but at the same time you look at his physical attributes and you think he would be the perfect sitting midfielder if he had that discipline. Do you yeah. think that's something that Gerard will want to mould him into? It's interesting because when he arrived, I think most people thought he was going to be that sitting midfielder. I think they'd looked at kind of where he was playing at Angers in France and thought, 
no, that's he's going to be the new the new sitter. I think a couple of things. One, Ryan Jacks kind of came to the fore, maybe unexpectedly for for Steven Gerrard, maybe a lot of fans. Ryan Jacks been been terrific at the start of the season, and he kind of has to be the sitter. I know he can play it right back, and you probably could play him elsewhere in midfield. But Ryan Jack is your stereotypical holding midfield player, knitting everything together, taking the ball off the back four. So I think that's been a factor. But as you say, the, the energy of Koulibaly is probably has probably surprised a few people. And it looks to me like a guy you could just play in any of the, the three midfield positions and nothing will really nothing will really phase him. And he's even popped up with, with a couple of goals a couple of goals now as well, getting into the getting into the box. So he's gonna be if Rangers are going to be successful this season, no, they need to keep him fit fit and playing well uh, and if they do then that could be a that could be a big factor in, in, in Rangers you know, winning trophies or, or challenging for a title You mentioned Andy Halliday and Scott it's to your credit that over the year and a half we've been doing this podcast you've always said that you felt Andy Halliday had something to offer Rangers even when others were saying that it was a fait accompli that would be out the door he looks once again to have the kind of confidence that he had under Mark Warburton where he's taking the ball He's looking like he's very comfortable in that midfield, strolling around in Boston games. Do you think that he's someone that can really stamp his authority on this team, or is he going to be more of a squad player as the season progresses? Ultimately, probably more of a squad player, if, if I'm honest. But no, he could be a vital squad player for Rangers, and depending on injuries and suspensions, no, he could play in big games, he could have big performances... No cup semi-finals, old firm game. He could, he could certainly stamp his authority in those kind of games when called upon. Um, if everybody's fit, of course, I think he's probably a squad player. Gerard would look to, but but with so many games, if Rangers are going to be in Europa, well, these Europa League group stages, there's cup games coming up. Gerard's going to going to want to use the the squad, and no, he didn't need to play Andy Hardy on Saturday, but he probably looked and thought. It's Dundee at home. It's a game we're expected to win. I can trust him. No, in this game, and he was right because he was, he was excellent in the the ninety minutes. And I think you you've nailed it. No, with Halliday, it's purely about confidence. He's um, that kind of guy, is he? He needs an arm around the shoulder. No, I wouldn't say that. But I just think you're t- listen. You're talking about a guy that got absolutely pilloried last season. I mean. We we spoke about it at some length at the time, you no, know, the the humiliation of getting brought off at Hamden and that that Celtic semi final, um the way Graham Murty treated him that day I thought you no know, wasn't wasn't right. Uh, we spoke about that before. You no, know, you'd Celtic fans singing his name as he's coming off. I mean, for a Rangers supporter who's playing for the club, that must have hurt Andy Halliday like hell. Um no, and then throw everything else into the mix. The fact he wasn't really playing well. There was talk about his future. No, he'd, he'd already been punted to Azerbaijan. Exactly, he'd already been away on loan. Yeah. So getting into this season, and no, Andy admits it himself. No, there was honestly you talk about fine margins in football. His career was literally no at a at a major juncture in the summer and it, it it was it could have so easily went the other way I, th- I think 
in fact, within himself, Andy Halliday at some point had probably accepted that he would need to, he would need to leave Rangers. He thought he'd ch- his chance had gone. Um, there was even doubts about whether he was going to be go- going on the, the pre-season trip to Spain. But when Gerard kind of looked at the numbers and decided who was going, originally I don't think he was even due to be going. But he's got his chance... Um, he got his chance to go to Spain and by all accounts in that pre-season trip really impressed not just with his ability but I think even more so with his attitude for, for Gerard. and I think Gerard decided over the, those those couple of weeks no you know what I want this guy in and around the place I like his attitude uh, he's a no, he's a model pro um, so and, and he's clearly got he's clearly got ability so Gerard made a decision and Halliday to be fair to him has grabbed the opportunity and you know, has come back in a manner that, that few people thought thought he could have at the start of the season. Well, we always talk about how important it is to showcase your mental strength as a Rangers player and maybe Halliday is a perfect yep. example of someone who's, who's done that and is doing that on a day-to-day basis to be still at the club. In terms of performances, I think a lot of people were very impressed by Ryan Kent, who's very direct. Uh, and finally... I think what's been missing from his game is a bit of end product and, yeah. and we saw against Dundee that he has the ability to not just skip past players but also good ball, good quality ball into the box and finally a goal. Yeah, that, that was his best game, Johnny, by, by far. Um, I think he's been a wee bit flaky since he came in at Rangers. No, he would have wee spells in games, then would drop out. At times he would look as if he could go by guys like they weren't there. Other times he would face up a defender and no, he, he thought he would never get never get past him. So we 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 were kind of critical of maybe not getting to the byline as much um, as he should be doing. I think he did that better on Saturday as well, um, and it, it must have been frustrating for him. And, and I don't know whether that no contributed to his kind of maybe a bit of lack of confidence. The fact that he couldn't get a goal because he did get into some great positions. Yeah. He was so unlucky in the Ufa game away from home when the keepers brought off an unbelievable save. I think the keeper was actually quite lucky because I think he sort of threw up his, his, trailing, his trailing hand and, and I just, just think it. it's just caught it. Uh, maybe, but I mean, that was, a, was out, out, outstanding. an unbelievable save. Yeah. So Gerard spoke about it after the game. I think he had to, I think he, Gerard says, he had to kind of put his arm around him and say, listen, don't get yourself, don't get bogged down in... No stats here, but goals and assists, and it just play your natural game, and it'll and it'll come. Uh, and as I say, I think that was his best best game. Dundee, Dundee played with a back three, uh, a back three that was no without being unkind, wasn't that mobile. Um, and Kent and Candias on the other side just got down the channels. Uh, at, no. The, down the sides of both kind of the left centre half and the right centre half and Dundee had all sorts of problems trying to try to cope with it and Kent yeah. was Kent was excellent if he keeps that up no if you'd asked me a few weeks ago I wasn't convinced about him and I would have said that he would have been more of a squad player as well maybe used used sparingly but if he if he can produce that every every week then no he'll, he'll take a bit of shifting to get out of the team. In terms of refereeing calls, which has been high on the agenda in Scottish football the last wee while, there's a couple from the game that I think uh, have caused a bit of uh, uh, bit of consternation amongst some Rangers fans. I think the first one would be the ball in from the right that was put away by uh, Alfredo Morelos and it was ruled offside. I think television 
picture showed that it clearly wasn't offside. Yeah. It was a, it was a fairly terrible call actually because yeah. the the linesman's in play and sort of up, reasonably up with play and should have should have seen yeah. that and it was clearly offside. Ones like that really annoy you because what a goal it was. Yeah, I mean, terrific. What a counter attack goal! It started it started on the penalty spot. It was a Dundee attack. Dundee should have maybe have scored, getting it a good position the byline. But Connor Goldson starts it on the penalty Rangers penalty spot. Gives it to Kent, Kent to Candias, Candias to Morelos. I mean, an incredible counter-attack goal. And a great finish from Morelos in the sort of position he it, can sometimes fluff Exactly. <laughs> so that's why if you're a punter and if you were Steven Gerrard, because I mean, maybe the, a lot of the fans would, wouldn't have noticed, it didn't show you on TV, but where we sit at Ibrox watching the game, Gerrard celebrated that goal, maybe like no other goal he celebrated so far, he and you could see what it meant to him that they'd scored with that because that's the kind of thing they would have practiced so often that those counter attack moves. So he was delighted with it, and he didn't realise for a few seconds after it went in that, that the linesman had, had chalked it off. So, no, for Rangers fans and staff that and Morelos, obviously that would have been particularly frustrating because it it looked a great goal at the time. There didn't look to be any hint of offside watching it live. No, so you were surprised when you saw the linesman's flag going up, and that will be that. That must have been really frustrating for them. In terms of Morelos and his finishing, Scott, I'm assuming you've seen the Colombian debut that he had, uh-huh. where uh, he had a quite incredible miss. Yeah. Do you have any concerns about his finishing long term to be a Rangers number nine? I think you have to, because he's missed. No, as much as he scored a few goals, he, he's missed. No, a fair few glaring chances, but no, do you give up on him because of because of that? I don't, oh no, I don't think so. I mean, it's you have to persevere. I Maybe. suppose it's a question of what you do on the training field exactly. to, make, to put that part of his game right, given yeah. that there's so many strengths to the rest of his game. Yeah, if he's not if he's not got a natural instinct for finishing, that's difficult to coach. No, like your McCoys and people, are, I don't. He's knowing that. He's not in that same bracket in terms of instinctive finishing. These guys just look born to score goals. I don't Morelos I don't think comes into that category, but as you say, he gives you so much. He's got a lot of attributes playing in that central lone striker role. The finishing can improve. No, as I say, you'll never get that natural instinct, but you're not telling me you can't work every day. No, the facilities Rangers have got, the coaches Rangers have got, and improve, yeah, improve your finishing. Um, so, listen, he's missed a couple of glaring chances. That's no ideal, but he would still have him in the team. No, he'd still have him in the team every every day of the week. I've taken a slightly off course, but my uh, the other refereeing uh, point that I was wanting to raise was Kenny Miller's red card. Obviously, he had been booked earlier in the game, so I don't think there's any doubt it would have been a second yellow. Yeah. For you, was it a straight red? I think watching it initially, I thought it was really, really harsh. But having seen the sports scene pictures where it, they zoomed right in, you could see that he caught him on the ankle quite badly. I still think it's a second yellow, a clear second yellow. I was really surprised when us when the the straight red came out. Obviously, no, I knew he'd been booked before. Um, but when the straight red came out, when you're sitting at the game, you're thinking, God, that must have been worse than than, than what it looked for the for the straight red to come out uh, immediately. But no, I think. He deserved to get sent off. I don't see why Dundee are bothering appealing it. 
Well, they've, they've had their appeal rejected. Is so, that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so no, a waste, I, of a, waste of a grand. They could have given that to me. That's what I was going to say. I mean, <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah, that was the thing. I mean, Neil McCann, Neil McCann came in after the game and admitted that he hadn't seen it, but says they were going to appeal it, which at least I maybe have had a look at it first. Um, because, as I say, it was a clear... If it wasn't a red card, it's a clear second yellow. Um, I think, if, though, if they appealed the red... Then it doesn't get downgraded, though, does it? We'd have to I'm look into sh- that. Nah, I'm not sure. But I mean, uh, I th- just on the ref, I thought the ref was poor in general on Saturday. I thought, again, I thought it was a bit inconsistent with his cards. I thought there was a couple of challenges. The one which hasn't really been highlighted, I thought Darno D uh, kind of left one on James Taverney in the, in the first half. He clearly, O'Day won the ball. And with the kind of follow through, I thought I didn't no, I'd need to see it again. But I thought it was a wee bit, a wee bit naughty leaving the leaving the leg in, and the no, the punters were angry about it. Taverney stayed down, uh, stayed down for a few seconds, uh, and I thought that was a bad one. But it went completely, completely unpunished. Whereas there was another couple that that to me were were pretty innocuous that, that it was coming down on. So I just thought in general. It's not been a great week for refs, and I don't think I don't think Kevin Clancy uh, made it much better. Okay, well, um, obviously that's the uh, one game down in a very very winnable three match sequence for Rangers. So they will hope that they can go on and continue that good form shown against Dundee. Moving on to Thursday's game against Villarreal, I think Rangers fans everywhere will be excited and pleased to see Graham Dorans travelling with the squad to the game. Scott, you've talked about him quite a lot. You've uh, worked with him over the years several times. How do you think he's going to fit into this Rangers team? Well, he'll fit into that three-man midfield. Where exactly he plays, I don't, I don't think Graham Dorans has ever been a, a sitting midfielder, so he would either play... On the left or the right of of that of Gerard's three man midfield, um, you know how highly I rate Dorans. I know he's he get criticised last season after he came in. He'll know himself, but his performances weren't good enough. I think a couple of niggling injuries didn't help him, and obviously the circumstances at the club didn't help him with the managerial situation. But on his day, Graham Dorans is a a Premier League midfielder, he's proved that uh, down in England. Stephen Gerrard will know him and will have watched him and played against down him. there and played against him. He'll know that he's if you can get a fit, and I mean proper fit, Graham Dorans, and a confident Graham Dorans playing in your team, then he can be a huge asset for Rangers. Honestly, if he comes back, if he comes back fully fit. With no worries, no injuries, no concerns in his own head about you no know, going for challenges or or whatever. If Rangers can get him at a hundred percent, he could be like another another new signing for Gerard. Um, it would have been easy for Gerard to come in, look at the injuries that he's had, and almost say, right, he's one of the ones he'd be willing to let go. But I think the fact that he hasn't tells me that. Gerard knows he's a he's a player and wants him wants him involved in that squad and I, and I, I hope for for Doran's sake and for Rangers' sake that the time he's been out they have just given him extra time to get himself properly ready. Um, the midfield looks pretty strong. It's not been a necessity to get him back 
quick like it was last season when maybe he came back too quick. Um, but I just think, as you say, great that he's back involved in the squad. I know he's been training. He's been back training for a few uh, for a few weeks now, and I just hope that he's he's kind of past those injury problems. And Rangers Rangers fans can see the real the real Graham Dorans and what what he can offer. Going back to Villarreal, obviously uh, a famous tie in two thousand and six there yeah. at the Estadio Madrigal, I think as it was called. I think it's the Estadio uh, Ceramica now. It's, it's had its name changed. Okay. Um, were you involved in reporting that game? Uh, I was there. Yep, um, I remember it well. I mean, Rangers, I just remember Rangers fans almost taking over. I think Ian Murray spoke about that this week in the game, but it, it looked and felt like a kind of almost like a home game for Rangers. Um, I believe that um, a lot of the locals uh, who are perhaps uh, not the most football orientated, I think uh, it might be like the Perth of uh, yeah. of Spain, yeah. and we're, we're taking the opportunity to sell their tickets at vastly in, inflated prices right? to, to, to Rangers fans, yeah. No, I mean, it was a not incredible occasion, we think, last last 16 Champions League, chance they get into a, a quarter-final, and of course... Peter Lovingcran scores and it looks as if uh, it looked as if Rangers were going to were going to do it. But no, Villarreal were a top team back Ra- then. Raquel May just absolutely Ra- bossed both Ra- games, oh, didn't he? It was Ra- just Ra- absolutely Ra- superb. Raquel May at Ibrooks was just was just sensational in the first leg. Um, we spoke to Alec McLeish last week about that tie, and according to him, I can't remember from memory, but according to him, Rangers kind of did a job on Raquel May the second game, and he wasn't. Is influential, um, but what a player he was! And listen, I think this isn't this Villarreal team uh, that Rangers will face tomorrow night is nowhere near nowhere near what, what what that team is all about, and that that should give Rangers. So I don't think it's as big a as big an ask for Rangers to go over there and, and get something. I think just looking at the results this season tells you a little bit about the style of side they are. Um, they've been to um, Seville and got a draw. Yeah. And they've beaten Ligan 1-0. Um, so the two away results have been pretty good. But at home, they lost 1-0 to Girona and uh, 2-1 to Real Sociedad. Yeah. So they've only actually scored two goals this season in four games. And at home, they haven't been uh, as strong as they've been away. So I think Rangers actually have a decent chance in this game because Rangers don't lose many goals no. and Villarreal don't score many. I- so I think if you look at the bookies' odds, Rangers are 10 to 10-1. Uh, and a draw is f- four to one. I think there's some decent odds there, especially I if you're going for low scoring, maybe under two point five goals, nil nil draw. Some value there, Scott. I think Rangers have got a chance. Honestly, I mean, I've heard other people kind of writing them off and saying, "Oh, it's a La Liga team away from home." No, I get that. They're, they're still one of the no top ten La Liga La Liga sides, but. As you say, if you look at the results, I spoke to a couple of journalists who were at the Leganes game on Sunday, uh, having a look at Villarreal, and no, the reports back were very much kind of Rangers have nothing to fear here. No, it's mm. a it's a pretty average looking Villarreal team compared to as we've said teams of the past. Um, in saying that, I think the the game on Sunday, the manager took a took the opportunity to rest a few players obviously backer was a sub and comes on and gets the gets the winner and listen he's a good he's a good player you yeah, you be, don't get to AC Milan without nah, being I mean, something about you aye, he'll need to be watched he, he should play as the, the central striker um, but interesting to see if they bring Santi Cazola back in I think we would all look forward to seeing 
to seeing him just just playing again, but playing in a game like that against Rangers. Uh, be interesting to see how Rangers do against him, or how Rangers midfield would do against him. Um, but I don't think there's anything. It, it, it feels to me like it's almost like in a free hit for Rangers. I don't think anybody's expecting anything. And as you say, the bookies at ten to one just seems a massive price um, for Rangers. Um, and I think Gerard will know if we, uh, no, if his team can go over there and put in the same kind of defensive display you know, as they've done the previous rounds, albeit against lesser opposition, then they've got a real chance of hitting them the, hitting them the counter. I think Rangers will absolutely look to be extremely stuffy. I think oh, a, a similar performance to Ufa will be in store. Do you think Rangers might think about going to a back three again? I know it didn't work very well against Motherwell, but then you have it gives you a lot of options in terms of stuffing that, bringing in Joe Worrell or maybe... I'm not sure about going to a back three, but just on Worrell, I think there's a chance that he, that he might play him or he might throw him in. And the reason I say that is we, we spoke to Gerard uh, last Friday and he spoke in glowing terms about Worrell and you just you felt as if he's desperate to get this guy into the into the team. Now Worrell knows he's gonna to have to buy these time with Goldson and, and Katic playing so well and, and it wouldn't be a slight on Katic, for instance, to, to leave him out. But there's a lot of games. Mm. You know, the games are coming thick and fast. If you're gonna have a squad of players like he's got, if you're gonna bring in Gareth McCauley and Joe Worrell you're going to need to mix it up a wee bit. Uh, no, you're going to need to. So you're going to, need to change things up, even if it isn't. I know people like to don't like to tinker with with defences, particularly central defences. But he spoke so highly of Waro, how he's trained, how his attitude's been, uh, how highly he rated him before he came to Rangers, and that's why he refused to kind of give up uh, chasing him in, in the summer. As I said before, people aren't expecting anything for this Villarreal game. If Rangers were to go over there and, and get beat, no, they'd be disappointed, but it wouldn't be a disaster. I actually think, as ridiculous as it sounds, you no, know, it being a Europa League group game, this might be an ideal chance to take Katic out, for instance, and say, right, go with Goldson and, and Worrell together and see how, see how he gets on. Um, and you can always bring Katic back and, back on Sunday for a St. Johnson game. Um, I, th- I think he will try and change it up a wee bit. I suppose it just depends on how strong a Villarreal team we're going to see, how seriously they take it, because quite often you see Premier League sides or La Liga sides look at the Europa League and see it as a lesser yeah. um, tournament for them. But, um, but like you say, given that the manager has left players out for the La Liga game, it looks like the Vill- Villarreal are seeing this very much as a tournament that, that they can yeah. make an impact I, I think they'll take it pretty seriously. I think they'll they'll know... No, they'll know they're not going to win La Liga, so they'll be looking at Europa League, maybe in a similar way to Sevilla did for a few years, obviously won it three or four times, and they took it really seriously. Um, Villarreal will see this as a no a proper competition, a chance, to, a chance to go far, get through the group stage. They'll probably look at it. I think the, the goalie was saying last week, no, when they look at the table, they see them and Sparta as the two, the two big sides. No, it's hard to argue with that in terms of the, the, the resources they've got and the finances uh, around them. But Rangers will definitely feel as if they can as if they can upset that slightly. And if they can go over there on Thursday, as I say, put in a solid defensive performance and get out of there with a, with a 0-0 or a 1-1, 
Gerard would be absolutely delighted in the, the confidence. If it's no high already, it would, it would get through the roof. Okay, Scott, I'm going to go for nil-nil. What's your prediction? I think nil-nil or 1-1. Or one, one. I think they can... I, I definitely think, looking at Villarreal's results, getting those reports back for the game on Sunday, I don't think Rangers have anything to fear, as I say. And if they can... As I say, if they can play as well as, as they did in Ufa or in Osijek defensively, with the pace of a Kent, Kandias, Morelos, eh, well, Morelos will not be played, but a Kent or a Kandias in the wide areas, then I think they I think they can get something. I think they can come back with a point. Okay, kids, bet responsibly. But <laughs> <laughs> well, we're saying uh, under 2.5 goals and no, no. <laughs> um, that's all from us. Uh, we'll be back next midweek with more news and analysis of all things Rangers. If you want to get in touch with us to continue the debate, you can. You can tweet us at record underscore sport or us directly at Johnny R. McFarlane and at Scott McDermott 8. Don't forget to subscribe at iTunes or Acast to get the podcast as soon as it becomes available. And if you liked it, please review and rate us on there too. Thanks for listening. <laughs>